0: Final segment of the show here. Jamie Dodd. Final segment? No. Final hour of the show. It's Jamie Dodd, Dan Reggio, Friday afternoon. I'm trying to end early. Our guy Bick is here. He showed up an hour early because he thought he was coming on at one. We should have just let
1: him. I know. I, we should have just ran we with should, him. I, yeah, should, I totally shouldn't have said anything.
0: Yeah. Just walked out, let him come on. Been be been like, Why sat not here? 650-650 <laughs> uh, is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you. In Ladner on Bridge Street, or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online. At Dumbarlumber.com. Now joining us on the line, he is Canucks Insider, our guy Irfan Gafar. Erf, what's going on, man? What's shaking, fellas?
2: Happy uh end
0: of summer, I guess. Yeah, well we've been debating that. It is still summer though, in my in my uh eyes anyways. But no. uh, hey, it's football. First, it's football first week season. of the NFL
1: season is last uh <laughs> is the last days of summer.
0: It's football oh season, God. guys are skating, it, it feels like fall. Uh, so, Quinn Hughes, is, is he going to be captain or is he, is he the right choice right now for the
2: Canucks? Wow, not even talking about the NFL. We'll, we'll, get, it, <laughs> it we'll get to right. it at the end. We'll get to Holy. it at the end. Holy! I mean, I, look, I think that the amount of interviews and the way he conducted himself last season, at, at kind of at the tail end of last season, he was kind of becoming the media's go-to you know, after wins, after losses, he was always the guy that was there. And I think that, you know, showed a little bit of maturity from him as well and wanting to be that guy. I mean, if Rick if Rick Talkett decides that, you know, he he wanted to be Quinn Hughes, I mean you look at the length of his contract and obviously what he's been able to do here in a Canucks uniform, um, it's probably him. I don't think Elias Pedersen should be the guy, to be completely honest. I mean he leads by example, he does his talking on the ice and you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I think that if they were to name a captain, it should be Quinn Hughes.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned, Quinn sort of, uh, it almost seemed like once Horvat got traded, Quinn really kind of stepped into the role a little bit more or really grew into it as you know the season went on through the back end there. And it's just felt like he's more, I don't know, from the outside looking in, more suited for the job.
2: I think that things don't phase him as much. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know, wins and losses, you know, obviously you're angry about wins and losses and, and things like that. But I don't think things would phase him as much as it might a guy like Elias Pedersen after a tough game.
0: It, what do you think about naming a captain this year versus letting things play out this season and, and kind of reassessing down the road?
2: To be completely honest, I think captain is a, the captain role is overrated.
0: Yeah. I mean, your yeah. job
2: is, one just to talk to refs, do the media stuff, and, you know, be, be really good in the community? You look at um, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, John Tavares has got the C, but, you know, that team's got a lot of other leaders on it. It's Morgan Riley's team, right? Or guys like Austin Matthews that other players gravitate towards. You know, the C is obviously a badge of honour, and, and it's great, and there's responsibility not only on the ice that comes with it, but I don't think necessarily having the, the captain, to the C on your jersey – you know, is is the biggest deal in the world. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of teams where where you look at it, and, and there's captains on that team that you know aren't necessarily the quote unquote leaders, but they're there because of a specific reason. Now, that's not to say that Quinn Hughes isn't and can't be a great leader. I just think that you know the captaincy and 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 having that role is pretty overrated.
1: You know, um, so much talk about Pedersen's uh, contract situation. It's only going to get. Uh... Well, it's only going to heat up more as uh, we get deeper into training camp and into the season. But do you feel that situation played at all or plays at all into the decision of who's going to be next captain for the Canucks?
2: No, not really. Yeah, I think Rick talk is going to. If 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 they decide if it's a player vote or if it's you know a, a a coach's vote or or whatever they have or management, or whoever decides who who it's going to be, I, I don't really think that has any any bearing on you know if Lilius Pedersen only signs a four or five year deal you know I mean Austin Matthews is still going to have an A on his jersey so what are we going to do just not have him be a leader on the team just because he only signs a short-term contract I I just I don't think that that's a good way of looking at things if you're an organization right you your leaders are who they are okay if he's the captain that's yeah but you're you're saying that he's not a leader not even going to wear the A if if he only signs a short-term contract like I don't think that that should have anything to do with it. How do you expect
0: the Patterson contract negotiations to play out here in the in the kind of near term? I mean, is there any chance of negotiations happening again or is this strictly going to be, you know, we're going to we'll check back in after the season more more in the summer when he's in RFA? Um,
2: well, according to his agent, they want to kind of see how it plays out here. I mean, you run a risky game a little bit, right? You know, you don't have a contract for next season or your final year if your deal, yeah, if he goes and goes off for 100 points again, then the Canucks have a really tough decision that they need to make or are going to be in a really tough spot, right, with how much they're going to pay them. So if you're the Canucks, you probably are trying to negotiate now if, if you really want. But if you're Elise least agent you're comfortable going into this season with what you have and you're confident enough about your ability and what you're able to do, and he's going to play both sides of the puck, he's going to play in every situation, every night, you know, as long as he stays healthy, um, that number could only increase if you're him. And, and if you're his agent, then you're probably looking at that and saying, well, Let's ride it out. Let let's see what happens here. You
1: know the uh, the lack of full commitment in that uh, quote from Elias Patterson that we saw in his conversation with Elliot Friedman. It, it leads people to panic, and everybody's like, oh, he's he's gone. He's uh, just gonna he's gonna pull a Matthew Kachuk. And um, I, I don't know that it's necessarily that. I think it's it's more as as we've talked about going all the way back to the end of last season. Or if, you know, is it more likely Patterson signs long term or short term? And it's. It's really leaning towards a, a four- or five-year deal for Elias Pettersson's next contract with the Canucks.
2: Yeah, and like, look, I think if you're a player, you, know, you kind of want to have that power. You want to dictate where you spend some time in, of, of your career. You know, if he you know, doesn't want to be in Vancouver for his entire career, you know, I, I don't really blame him for that. You know, it's, it's a different place to play. Canada's a different market. A lot of, a lot of players don't like playing up here. Um, now the four- or five-year commitment is, is still quite some time. Um, I think he believes in what this team has right now. I think he thinks that, you know, they're able to win and, and they're able to compete. But um, it's just a matter of setting yourself up for the future, you know, to say that he doesn't want to spend some time in New York or, or, or L.A. Or, or or different markets or Florida or Vegas, or what, what have you. So I think that, you know, if you want to sign a four- or five-year deal, that should be totally on you. I don't think fans should be all up in arms about it. I mean, players have the right to – have control about where they go. You look at the NBA and you look at even guys in the NFL and and what they're doing and how they're controlling and dictating where they want to go. Now, it's finally, and I'm happy for some of these hockey players that, that they're able to do it and they realize that they actually have some power.
0: Do you have a sense of what the Canucks need to do to convince Elias Pettersson? You know, I know Rick Tockett talked to Ian McIntyre last week, and he said, you know, look, we just have to show we're a well-run organization. I know a lot of fans kind of jump to, like, oh, they have to make the playoffs to keep him around. I mean, is it it that simple? Is it just, you know, be
2: good and he'll stay? Or is there more to it than that? Well, it's not like he's leaving next season, right? He's probably going to sign an extension, but it's just a matter of whether it's four five, or five or, or, eight years. Um, I, I don't think he's going anywhere after this season. Like, and look, if, if they have to make the playoffs in order for him to stay, he's going to be a reason that they make the playoffs. Like if, if he doesn't play well, they don't make the playoffs. So that, that's one of those things that we look at and say, okay, yeah, it might be one, but he's going to be one of the reasons why they get into the postseason. season. So that one kind of you know, cancels, cancels itself out to be completely honest. Look, I agree. Well-run organization, um, you know, I think that there's certain things that, you know, in this market are a little bit different. I mean, the Elf in the room is the media. It's 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 different. It can be challenging for players here. Um, and is he a guy that likes it? Does he like the spotlight? You know, do, do, does he want to, you know, be the guy that's, you know, looked upon every single day and, and, and scrutinized the way he is? Or is it, you know, in four or five years, you're going to go down the road and go somewhere else where you kind of fly under the radar where hockey isn't number one, where you still get your money there's still people in the seats watching you play. You still have a chance to compete, but you're not necessarily the number one show in town. So, and it's also a lifestyle thing. Look, Vancouver's beautiful. There's a lot of, a lot of other places in the NHL uh, or NHL cities that are that, that are just as beautiful as well.
1: It's um you know the on, on the well-run organization thought. Um you, know, you look back to last year and how it was strange how slowly guys were starting to roll into town. We knew that there was at least some level of friction between coach and management. It already feels like things are more on the right path this year. Now, that's not to say things can't start to go awry, but you know, pretty much everybody is in town outside of Ian Cole, and you know this is this front office's hand-picked head coach. On the terms of like being a well-run organization, the Canucks feel a lot better right now than they did 12 months ago.
2: Yeah, I mean, and you, you have that continuity, right? And as a player, you know what to expect from your head coach heading into training camp here. Like, you know it's going to be tough. You know, earlier than <laughs> Travis Green's uh, when he was the head coach, players knew what training camp was going to be like because they had that. They had that, that feel. They had that familiarity with, with their head coach. And I think that they have that. And they know what to expect. And look, it's not like Rick Talk and his coaching staff didn't talk to his players in the summer. I mean, I'm sure he talked to yeah. his whatever leadership group he thinks they are. I'm sure he had conversations with his players of what he wants and what he sees and what he views different roles are, different situations are in games. I'm I'm pretty sure he's had those conversations with, with a lot of players. So um, yeah, it's good. They're all here. I mean, they should be, they should want to be together. They should want to be a team. You should want to be able to go into, to go into this season with, you know, already maybe skating on a line that you think you might be with um, here a few weeks before, a couple of weeks before training camp. I mean, you know, it's people, everyone's making a big deal about how the Edmonton Oilers have every single player in town because they've got a bad taste in their mouth. In fact, they haven't made the playoffs in quite some time. They should have a bad taste in their mouths for a very long time.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they should have a long-standing bad taste in their mouths, yeah. especially with the way the last three seasons have gone, especially since their last uh, playoff appearance in in the bubble. It's um, you know, it's it's sort of that time of year we're kind of running through uh, the same old conversations, and uh, one of them that's popped up this week again is. Brock Besser and you know I think we want and have hoped to see Brock get into that 30 goal range but I wonder if we should maybe move the goalposts on what's a good season for Brock Besser I'm pretty comfortable knowing he's going to score 50 plus points in a year it's just you know how much extra value are you giving to this club and are you getting back to being a a strong two-way forward as well as an offensive threat?
2: To be completely honest, I'm not giving anyone any excuses anymore with this organization or this team. Yeah, Just the way that things have gone the last couple of years. You have all the talent in the world. Now, it's not just Brock. You're Brock Better, you're Elias Pedersen, you're Quinn Hughes, you know, you're guys like Ilya Kuzmenko, or uh, you saw what he's done. Um, Andre, sorry, not Ilya, Jesus.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> thinking someone else. Um, Ilya yeah, no, uh, there you go. There you go. Let you see, one of them. I knew I was going to get one of them. <laughs> Uh, But no, look, there's no excuse. Like, you're here, you're healthy, you should be ready to compete, and you should be wanting to play hard. And look, Brock, obviously, we all know what happened last season before the year, and we all know the tough start that he's had, but he seems ready. I mean, look, he's had a couple chats with Brock Besser. guy's been skating since the season ended. Um, He hasn't, you know, taken that much time off where he hasn't been off the ice. So, you know, everyone's going to say, you know, quote-unquote notorious slow starts for a guy like Brock Besser. You know, you look for that this year. You look if he has an extra jump in his step. Um, as soon as the season starts, because I, I think he will. I, I definitely do think he's motivated, and, you know, the 30-goal mark or whatever, yeah, he should get 30 goals. He's a goal scorer. 29 is rookie season. If he didn't get hurt, he would have got 30. Like, that, that's the bar you need to set it at, and I agree with you, Richard, It should be 50 points. That should be the bare minimum. Like, he should be a 60-point guy.
0: Talking to Irfan Gafar here on Sportsnet today. Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Dan Riccio. Uh, did we want to talk a little NFL. The NFL season is here, Irf. Uh, it turns out even Patrick Mahomes needs half decent receivers to throw to, though.
2: Yeah, Kadarius Tony dunked last night. Oof. I mean, you can say that he, he actually might be the reason they lost. I that's right? like that I might
0: guess. be the worst skill position performance like in an individual game I've ever seen in the NFL. It was so, well, also, so how bad. Much
2: this guy depend on, how much does this guy depend on Travis Kelsey? Yeah. He had yeah. No one to give it to on third down. They had to run the ball. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I, look, I, it was a great game. I mean, obviously the NFL is the NFL, right? It's, 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 it's a show. It's entertainment. It's great. But you had all the entertainment in the world. Because on banner night, you know, they, they, they took the big L there. And I don't care what Mike Tirico said on the broadcast. That one doesn't have an asterisk behind <laughs> <inside> it. <laughs>
1: It definitely doesn't, um, you know. I, I think there's a lot of uh, reasons to to wonder how the Chiefs are going to end up. But end of the day, you know we've seen them come out of the gate slowly in the past. They'll be fine as the year goes on. They've got Patrick yeah, well, and what were here. they
2: last year like? two and two or yeah. three and three and then they won the super bowl or something like that
1: pretty much um so yeah. it, it, they'll be okay and and the lions i mean uh they're they're gonna be that plucky team once again everybody's second favorite team this year but really we want to know more about the seahawks uh they got the rams this weekend i uh i don't know maybe because it's the start of a new season i'm getting a little overly excited about the seahawks and what they could do this year how about you
2: you want to know why? It's because Gino. Well, you're getting excited about the Seahawks. Yes, I agree with that. But I'm I'm kind of pumping the tires on that because Gino got paid, right? <laughs> last year he was. Last year he didn't have the he didn't have the bankroll that he has now. So let's see what happens here, Week One. I mean, obviously Cooper Cup not there. Uh, yeah. Probably not going to play. Obviously uh, for for the Rams, that's a huge loss for them. But you know the the Rams play the Seahawks well. I mean the Seahawks. I mean, everyone has them finishing second in the division to the 49ers. And a lot of people have the 49ers winning the Super Bowl, and, you know, without question. So you actually just have to take care of business at home. That's, that's, that's what I think. You know, you don't, it doesn't need to be one of those, you know, performances where you go out and you absolutely you know, kick the teeth into their opponent. Just go take care of business at home. It's opening day. You're at home. It's going to be great. I'll be there. It'll be fun.
0: Yeah, as, uh, as Bick pointed out to us in the commercial break, uh, the Rams beat the Seahawks at home with John Wolford. So, you know, and stranger <laughs> things have happened. You never know what's going to happen when division rivals uh, meet up. Uh, enjoy the games this weekend, man. Good to chat, Irf. All right, gentlemen, do well. That is Irvon far Canucks Insider, joining us, uh, talking a little NFL as well here on Sportsnet today. Sportsnet 650. Uh, yeah, We haven't really had a chance to chat about the Thursday night opener yeah, the Detroit Lions coming through. I called that
1: line ridiculous and uh well shows how much I know. I thought 4 points was short. And there are the Lions winning that game 21-20. So I,
0: I was uh on that point. We both had the Chiefs winning. Yeah. And uh I was talking to my mom last night mm-hmm. and uh, she mentioned I saw the Lions won and she says I was surprised given what I heard on the radio earlier today. <laughs> I <was> like whoa. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Oh wow. A little swipe. Mama there. Dodd just
1: From like Mrs. crushing Dodd. you.
0: Crushing us. Both yes. of us. Both to be of fair. Us.
1: Yes. Um I blame Kadarius Stoney, though. It's like again because if that pick six doesn't happen, and, Chiefs win that and game. And you
0: know what? We were talking yesterday like NFL ultimate team game, all of that, and it is. I don't know that I've ever seen a loss where a receiver specifically can be blamed like that because there are games where you know one that had
1: such a small role
0: yeah there are games where you know like a cornerback blows a coverage on a key play and it's like oh if he had just stayed on his feet or just not got shook they would have won the game you know an offensive lineman completely loses his man and in the game deciding sack happens whatever it is but for a receiver to basically single-handedly cost his team the game he is really, really incredible.
1: A receiver that ran a grand total of 11 routes last night. <laughs> he was targeted on five of them. So the Chiefs did everything to try and yep. get this guy the ball. He talked and trash talked all offseason Giants fans because the Giants were the ones that gave up on him. And he's going to show mm-hmm. them he's mm-hmm. going to have a massive year for the Kansas City Chiefs. Guess what? Shows up to train camp, gets hurt immediately because that's all Kadarius Tony does. And while he might have a lot of talent, he's got a case of the dropsies, and he can't stay healthy. It's an incredible problem to have if you are Kadarius Tony. And in the most cowardly of moves possible, after <laughs> trash talking all off season against Giants fans, this guy deletes his Twitter account because he was getting memed to high heaven. Over the last 12 hours after last night's debacle.
0: I think he had he was credited with four drops on five targets. And the one reception he did haul in, he went for one yard. Yeah. Uh, And the four drops, I mean, obviously the pick six, which is just like the freeze frame. And I know, oh, it's not fair just to take one still of the player or anything. But the freeze frame going around Twitter of him, like ball perfect placement into his hands. Yeah. No one's on him. No pressure. Mm -hmm. In stride. All he has to do is grab it and turn upfield, and instead it's a pick-six the other way. And then the play on the final drive, too, for the Chiefs, which, to be fair, this one's slightly behind it, but it's still a play you have to make as an NFL receiver. Yep. Like, you catch that, they're in field goal range. Yep. They're kicking a field goal to, t- to to take the lead in the final two minutes, and instead they go on to lose the game. It's like, those two plays, basically the story of the game right there. The Chiefs, um, look, when they get Kelsey back
1: and – by all accounts, it seemed like you know this was as much precautionary as anything else to keep him out of this week one matchup against the Lions. They need somebody to emerge, whether it's Sky Moore, Rashi Rice. One of these other guys has got to step up and be a secondary option for Patrick Mahomes because teams are going to double and triple cover Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. even when he does get healthy. At least last year, you know they had Juju Smith-Schuster. They they had some other guys that could haul in a pass every now and again. They're going to need somebody to emerge as the season goes on.
0: They, like and at least Juju Smith-Schuster's reliable. You know yes. what I mean? He's not explosive. He's not a big play guy. He's reliable. He's a reliable, solid, slot veteran receiver. wide receiver. They just man, it is. It's a pretty dire situation uh, for the Chiefs, and I just think you know it was really strange watching. I know there were a, a handful of big plays. A lot of them. You know Patrick Mahomes making them with his feet. But for a, lot of the, for a lot of that game last night, they were trying to dink and dunk down the field. Yeah. It was strange watching an Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes team try to do that. And I think in this day and age in the NFL, if you're not capable of getting chunk yardage, if you don't have skill position guys who can break plays for you, it's really hard to survive on offense. You're going to make mistakes. Things are going to happen. You can't go down the field five yards at a time consistently and score touchdowns.
1: What did you make of uh, the Mike Tarico comment?
0: Yeah, I think he would ask for that one back. There's no <laughs> asterisk. There isn't. Like, here's the thing. I I think what he's trying to say is, and he wouldn't have probably wouldn't have said it this way either. But look, is it less impressive than beating them with Kelsey and Chris Jones? Of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. But this is the NFL. Like teams are injured all the time. There's no asterisk for wins in the NFL, right? It's if player teams have key in, key players injured, whatever. You can only beat who's in front of you.
1: You are the Detroit Lions. If you beat the defending Super Bowl champion at any point of the season under any circumstance, good on you. You beat them in their own barn on the opening night of the NFL season. Yeah, no, there's no asterisk. It doesn't really matter too much the context. If you're Dan Campbell and you're the Lions, you don't care who's out for the Chiefs. You are still the underdog in this game. You are going up against the best quarterback in the league and the guy that is on pace, on track to be better than Tom Brady, the guy who just won seven rings. So I'm sorry. There's no, there's definitely no no, no asterisk There
0: absolutely isn't. And I got to say, you know, credit to Dan Campbell, man. Like we're, I was asking questions yesterday on the show. Hey, it's great to be the guy with a good sound bite and, you know, Guys love playing for you and all that, but can you match up and can you win games against really good teams in the NFL? And that gutsy decision, man, fake punt, deep in your own territory, it pays off. They pick up the first down, they go down and score the opening touchdown. It's not going to work out every time, but those are the types of decisions you have to be willing to make, even against... You know, especially against Patrick Mahomes, even with a depleted cast of, of wide receiver talent around him, right? You have to be willing to make those sorts of plays, not just kick the ball back to him over and over again. And I thought it was an impressive performance overall from from Dan Campbell as the Lions coach.
1: I couldn't um, – you know, last year, the Lions were 1-6 and six out of the gate. They had one of the worst defenses through the first half of the NFL season – that the league had ever seen, mm-hmm. and everybody is like, "What the heck is going on with this guy yeah he's he's a good quote, and he yep. seems great, he's busting kneecaps and all these things. I thought he was supposed to be a defensive minded head coach. They couldn't stop anyone to start last year, then of course, you know, after being one and six, they finished nine and eight through the end of the season. It was really impressive the way they finished, and then they carry that. Into this year, Dan Campbell's done a lot of great things to build this Lions team up, and it's been really impressive from start to finish.
0: Yeah, he's—I think he's starting to be more than just a meme, right? More than just an off-season social media star as a head coach. These are the types of wins that take you into that next next echelon, and these are types of wins that you know playoff teams get, right? a Depleted opponent, yeah, you're on the road, yeah, they're really good, they have the MVP and all that, but if you're a legit playoff opponent, you find the moments, you make those plays, and you get the job done.
1: NFC North is going to be pretty close this year, too. So, a win like that yeah. for the Lions, that's a big one for them to get that as a leg up on some of their NFC North opponents for the rest of the year.
0: Oh, it's huge. It's yeah. absolutely huge. And they have, every chance, they have every chance to win that division. Like, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota? I don't know. It doesn't scare me that much.
1: I still doubt it a little bit. I think Minnesota's offense is going to be really good. Their defense gives me a lot of question marks, gives me a lot of pause. The Bears, I'm just I'm not in on. No. I'm sorry. Justin Fields, I still have to see it. There's a lot of excitement there around Justin Fields. I still have to see it. The Packers I'm coming around to the idea that the Packers are being undersold. All right. I am. They've got a really good defense, and they'll have a functional offense. I don't know how great it's going to be. I still have What a compliment. Well, Like, I don't think the Bears are going to have a functional offense. Yeah, fair enough. Or defense. The Vikings aren't going to have a functional defense. So, when you could put those two elements together, you're going to be a divisional threat in what is not a great division. And I think the Packers are still going to have a baseline it's going to be. It's going to make them a threat in the NFC North as the season goes on.
0: Uh, it is Sportsnet today. Here, Sportsnet six fifty. Jamie Dodd, Dan Riccio. Uh, we'll talk. Look ahead to the slate of games on Sunday. Seahawks and the Rams. Uh, take some of your more, more your texts on the Canucks and uh, anything else on your mind as well. Six fifty. Six fifty is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Final segment of the show coming up here on Sportsnet six fifty. Welcome back Sportsnet today here Sportsnet 650 final segment It's Jamie Dodd it's uh, Dan Riccio sauntering in late the football the tanks break. are just too good I thought you on a scroll break
1: both kinds of football
0: uh, it was a real uh a real footy remembering some guys session in this. yes <laughs> remembering some guys who sucked at Chelsea yeah
1: failed Chelsea strikers for some reason, it's we just it. long list it turned out. Well, okay. So, it started because earlier this morning, I got duped on Twitter.
0: It's a tough scene.
1: It tough. is a very tough scene. I saw a video. Hercules Gomez, good uh, quality uh, analyst south of the border on North American footy and really all things footy, um, and he posted a video of Lionel Messi owning... Moses Caicedo, who's mm-hmm. just bought by Chelsea for like 120 million. This is an international game. Turns out the videos from over a year ago. See
0: now, when you I saw you retweet this. Yes. My first thought was because Messi is internationally retired. Is he not? No, he's not. He's still playing for he's still Argentina.
1: still playing last night, yeah. Wow. So this is what happened. Like Argentina was still playing Ecuador last night, and this this matchup was happening. It's just Right. You know, this moment that I was I was pointing out didn't happen people, last night it happened a year ago.
0: People will just do anything on the internet. I can't you trust anything that. on you the internet. You know that anymore. by now.
1: I can't trust anything on the internet. What do you trust on the internet? Nothing. Maybe Wikipedia? Other than that, what are you supposed to trust? I don't know.
0: Anytime something remotely interesting or entertaining or out of the unusual comes across, across my timeline, I'm like, "Oh, it's fake." Yeah. Anything that you're like, "Oh, that's interesting." It's like, "Oh, it's probably fake." <laughs> Everything that's real is boring. Yes. Don't have any interest in it. It's like
1: you're watching a video and then at the end it's like this, this was actually entirely AI generated. This is too, oh,
0: too good to be true. Not interested. Um by the
1: way like Wikipedia gets such a bad rap.
0: Wikipedia is amazing. People
1: are like, "Man, you shouldn't really use like teachers are always like or at least that was it back in the day like 20 Don't, years ago. Don't use Wikipedia." And even still people are like, "Don't use Wikipedia." It's like if you actually go through most of the Wikipedia articles, they are the most well-sourced Things.
0: Are they a sponsor now or something? No, <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. But like everything has to like you no, know like with everything. They've got all the references down yeah, there. You some, know, as long as you're checking through some Wikipedia making sure the references are real.
0: Some Wikipedia articles that don't that aren't like well taken care of are garbage. Yes. But like the big ones and the important ones yes. and most of them are really good. Yes. Yeah, we agree on that. We're okay. <laughs> pro Wikipedia guy right here. <laughs> My favorite part of the conversation in the break room was uh Sat saying that <laughs> Not just strikers, but also midfielders. <laughs> Forwards and midfielders at Chelsea are cursed. It's like, well, that's what? You know, six of the 11 guys you have on the field yeah. at any given time? That doesn't seem ideal no. to have that many cursed positions there was in just soccer. A,
1: there was just a time when Chelsea would just buy, like, the best striker out of Italy for a number of years running, and then that player would just immediately suck at Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> Hernan Crespo, Andrej Shevchenko its just like, no matter who they bought, like some of the most talented and legendary footballers of the 2000s, as soon as they got to Chelsea,
0: stunk. I feel like it's a tough transition going from, you know, beautiful Italy to England. Yes. Even London.
1: <laughs> it's tough. It's just like, it's man. a culture, little bit
0: of culture shock.
1: I get to have my uh, apricot your- croissant yeah. in the morning with a nice espresso. And then now I'm eating beans and toast. What's going on here? That's a tough
0: one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You're very pleased with yourself.
1: Beans and toast.
0: Um, NFL, full slate, gets going this Sunday, including the Seahawks, as we mentioned with Earth, a divisional matchup right off the hop against the Rams, hosting the Rams. They are five-point favorites right now. And there's been this idea that I don't want to say neck and neck, but maybe, you know, the Rams could threaten the Seahawks for second place in the division or something like that with Cooper Cup out. And if you if you listen to what's coming out of or coming from Sean McVay and kind of out of the Rams camp, it doesn't sound like he's going to be back anytime soon. You look at that roster like. Who are the good players on the Rams? I mean, I know Stafford healthy back. Aaron Donald. They have Aaron Donald, who's a monster. Mm hmm. Outside of that,
1: I really start to struggle beyond that. (laughs) Um, Cam Akers had a good finish to last year as a running back. Great, sure, but right now their receiving core, Um, who Matt Stafford will be throwing to: Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, and Puka Nakua, who they drafted I think in the fifth round, yep, uh, of this last draft, and Tyler Higby who ended up with over 100 targets last year. Somehow was incredibly underrated in NFL fantasy drafts this year. But, I mean, your go-to is going to be Tyler Higby now. I don't know how this is supposed to be an offense that frightens me. And on defense, they might have one of the worst collections of defenses (laughs) we've ever seen behind Aaron Donald. It's going to be bad. They might be a... Worst version of last year's Lions. Yeah. Where the offense is just forced to put up a ton of points or a ton of yards because they're always playing catch up in games. I think their defense is going to be that bad this year.
0: That's never something you want to hear. A worse version of the Detroit Lions. That's usually a very, very. I mean, bad the Lions sign. were
1: nine and eight. It's just that but that still, defense was so, so bad still, last year. Still.
0: And, you know, I know there's the idea that, hey, Sean McVay, with his ability to scheme a run game, you know, Cam Akers, as you said, had a strong finish to the year. Can they do enough damage on the ground to keep the offense afloat? Maybe. I mean, again, we were just talking about how hard it is to go down the field five yards at a time. Without certainly without Cooper Cup, there's nobody explosive on that roster that really worries you as a defense. I do wonder, you know, it could be a really good first test for the Seahawks going against a team that's probably gonna have to run a ball run the ball a lot, because that's really been the major question for the Seahawks. How's their front seven going to hold up and specifically against the run? But I just think that's a it's that's not really a viable way to consistently win games in the NFL. At this point, like the Seahawks, I think, yeah, get a divisional opponent. And, you know, Sean McVay versus Pete Carroll, all of that. The Seahawks should take care of business here. They, they should take care of business in a big way on Sunday.
1: They are five-point favorites. Um, and, I mean, the whole Seahawky thing, you know, kind of comes to mind. It's a divisional matchup. Weird things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. But this is absolutely a game. They should be winning and getting off to a good start with this season. The Seahawks, I know there is an element of, well, why should we trust Geno Smith to do it again? Sure. But he did pretty well last year with less. You know, they've mm-hmm. only added to their skill position with mm-hmm. Jackson Smith and Jigba. They add Zach Charbonnet as well. They have a better offensive line this year than they did a year ago. So why why should I expect Geno Smith to take a step back from what he was last year? All the elements are in place for him to build on what he was able to do last year. And they have the same offensive coordinator in place with Shane Waldron. This is and should be, I think, one of the premier offenses in the league this year.
0: It could be, for sure. now. I think the best thing in Gino Smith's favor is it's not as if he fell off a cliff towards the end of last season. It slowed down a little bit, the production, right? Like he got off to such a hot start. That's natural. But it wasn't as if defenses kind of woke up and like, oh, okay, we have to, we have to z- really zero in now and we got to stop this guy. He was still having success throughout the course of the season. I wouldn't bet on him improving just because he was really, really good, but he doesn't need to improve. I, it, yep. He can maintain. And the thing is the Seahawks, they weren't asking him to to do a lot necessarily right like it's dk metcalf and tyler lockett and now jackson smith and Jigba. they're gonna get open hit the open guys right like they are really talented receivers they're going to get open you're going to be able to take some deep shots to metcalf you just need to be able to hit them uh in the spots where they're open and again it's not like they're they're not asking him to be josh allen or lamar jackson or joe burrow where you're uh where you're you know you're really running carrying the offense on your shoulders yeah the quarterback's always going to be important but I think it's just play within himself, make throws that are there, and that's going to be a successful offense.
1: And uh, Kenneth Walker uh, seemed to be having a groin issue, was taken off the injury report uh, ahead of the weekend. so the Seahawks have everything in line. And I think the Rams are – look, they're still a well-coached team. You have to give Sean McVay some credit. Matt Stafford, if healthy, is still a pretty good quarterback. But the one thing – the Seahawks should do really well this year, like they should have one of the best secondaries, if not the best secondary in the league. Mm -hmm. I think they've sort of built that. It's not going to be the Legion of Doom, but they're sort of building an evolution to that in the 2023 NFL version of the Seattle Seahawks. So I'm excited to see how that starts to play out. And the other part of this, Seahawks and the Niners have a pretty easy schedule through the course of the year. So... That's going to be fascinating to see how this season plays out as it goes on.
0: Um looking at the uh, the rest of the slate, pretty good week 1 schedule in the NFL and you know of course the the obligatory yep. NFC East Sunday nighter, but even that, you know, Cowboys at Giants, like it's easy to roll our eyes at, you know, again an, an NFC East primetime game, yep. but the Cowboys, like, a lot of hype, a lot of talent on that roster. I'm always curious to see what the Giants can do with that coaching staff. Like, I'm pretty stoked for that one. That might be the game I'm, I'm most excited for on Sunday.
1: I am, uh, as yesterday uh, and our bold predictions proved, I'm pretty all in on the Cowboys and what they're going to be able to do this year. So I should and do expect them to beat up on the Giants. I got my questions about the Giants you know their defense really started to shine out last year. Daniel Jones took a step. Mm-hmm. But they still don't really have a ton of weapons
0: on the outside. Especially now with Darren Waller going on the injury report and his injury situation. I mean, Shocker. who knows how much they're going to get from him? Um so there's still a lot of question
1: marks with that Giants team. I could see them being pretty good. I could also see them being them uh see them being pretty bad. If I was to like there's a couple of things I like doing. Especially week one of the season. If you had a survivor pick this week, who would you go with? The biggest favorite on the docket uh, is the Baltimore Ravens home to the Houston Texans. Yeah. The other one is the Washington Commanders Commanders against the Cardinals. I don't know if there's another week in the year where you would feel good about taking the Washington Commanders for your survivor pick. That is a bold, but... Probably the
0: play. The commanders week. are probably the play just because you preserve everyone else yes. for later in the season. I could see taking the Ravens as well. Yep. If you were a little nervous because you are betting on, you know, Sam Howell uh, to win a game for he- for you if you take the commanders. But having said that,
1: it's probably a lot of people taking the, the commanders this week. Oh, yeah. They're going to be so a very popular pick. If you want to, like, hedge your bets and be like, kind of fade the the commanders.
0: But then you're implicitly buying in on the Cardinals to win a game, <laughs> to go one and zero reach, and that's a tough one.
1: The Cardinals and that are, roster
0: and that coach,
1: they might be the worst team we've seen since the uh, Cleveland Browns went winless. They're gonna give it. They're gonna give them a run for their money. It's really bad. Like I know they're all in on getting the first overall pick, but they're starting Josh Dobbs at quarterback. They like signed him. A month ago. <laughs> They've got a
0: wicked hard schedule to start the season yes. too. Like even like okay, even put aside the commanders, but then it's Giants, Cowboys, Niners, Bengals, Rams, all right. Uh Seahawks, Ravens. Like those are that's a lot of legit good yeah. potential Super Bowl contenders in there. It doesn't get a lot easier after that either. Like that this could be a truly, truly ugly Honestly, season. Honestly,
1: I, I don't know if I see a win on their schedule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would not bet them to finish winless just because it's so rare that yes. it happens in the NFL. Like, you find a way. Like they do you know, have
1: Houston and Atlanta. Other, at some yeah, point, exactly. So. Other
0: teams on a short week. That Houston game is going to be fascinating. They
1: might get. They're probably going to get Kyler Murray back at some point. Yeah.
0: Um, it happens, right? But early in the season, oof.
1: The other big uh, game of the week is probably Bengals Browns. Uh, Bengals obviously giving. All of the money to Joe Burrow, two hundred seventy-five million dollars mm-hmm, contract, mm-hmm. extension, biggest in NFL history. Yesterday, well over two hundred million of that guaranteed. Browns looking to bounce back and hoping for more of the Deshaun Watson that they
0: thought they were paying all the money in the world. Yes, yeah, the one the they, they thought they were, they were going getting. To get.
1: Like the Browns, especially if you ask Satyar Shaw, like they have one of the best, if not the best. Top to bottom rosters in the NFL. You know, Nick Chubb for me is one of my favorite players to watch as a running back. They got a good receiving core, good offensive line, defense has all kinds of playmakers on it Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, all these players. And yet nobody's talking about the Browns, even as an AFC North threat, really, because we don't know what version of Deshaun Watson we are going to see. Put aside the obvious you know, human takes about him, as a football player, he was unreal towards the end mm-hmm. of his Houston career, and we just haven't seen it now in a very, very long time. So I'm curious to see what we get out of the Browns in a very big divisional matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah,
0: and what could be a really tough division this yeah. year as well, right? If the Browns are decent, if the, if Pittsburgh takes a step Best like division a lot of people football. are expecting them to, that could be a very, very difficult uh, division. 650-650, Dunbar-Lumber text line here. Uh, did want to touch a little bit on Major League Baseball. The wild card race in the American League continues to be, I want to say fascinating. I guess it is. Yeah. Nobody's playing particularly well. <laughs> of the three teams and i know oh, you throw houston in there as well because they're they're leading uh the al west by only a half game over the mariners right now but you know the mariners are five and five in their last 10 the jays are only six and four the rangers they just got absolutely walloped yeah. by the astros in a three-game set i think they gave up 15 home runs <laughs> in that series they're in a tailspin the jays somehow somehow are in a playoff spot by half a game over the Rangers and some good news for the Jays they get uh, Bo back off the IL so he will be back huge addition for them obviously given their offensive struggles and it's kind of wild I mean they feel like given what's happening with Texas right now and now with Bo coming back like I can't believe I'm saying this because they've made me pull my hair out all summer but it feels like the Jays should be the, the betting favorite to take that last wild card spot well you
1: know, some of the, some of this is going to come down to how, you know, the the schedules play out. The Jays have a ton of the Rays and Yankees to finish the season now. Not that the Yankees are really all that formidable, but you know, it's a little bit easier than playing some of the teams that the Texas Rangers are going to play through the end of the season. You know, they get the Angels, they get. Cleveland. They have yeah. Oakland this weekend. So, you know, they, they have a few more layups, and that's why these next few games, like the series for the Jays going up against the Royals this weekend, uh, the Rangers have the Oakland A's, so they've got some layups ahead, and then it's a four-game set between the Rangers and the Blue Jays, and I think that is probably going to like, if you're the Jays, you want to go into that series with still a little bit of a cushion mm-hmm. on that final wildcard spot, and then should you win that series, you know, get take three of the four, yep. all of a sudden you've given yourself a nice little cushion over the Texas Rangers. All of a
0: sudden you're in a pretty decent yeah. spot. And those games against the Yankees and the Rays to end the season, and first it's series in New York, series in Tampa, and then home to New York, home to Tampa to wrap up the season. It's hard to tell, like – what even will be at stake for the Yankees in particular, but even for the Rays in that final series, you know, they might be out of contention for the division locked into the first wild card. That could easily be the case. Are they going to be resting guys? You don't know what version of the Rays you're going to be getting at that point. The series that would really scare me as a Jays fan is the at Tampa series yeah. in late September, because it is such a house of horrors and a nightmare any, for the Jays. Every time they go to Tropicana,
1: any week at the trop is a top. It's brutal. It's incredible. awful.
0: You never, you never want that uh, to be the situation. And
1: I, I don't know if I've ever been more like this Jays team is about as unlikable a team as you could possibly imagine. You know, they have a wild amount of talent mm-hmm. that is just consistently underachieved. Yep. They get into big spots, and it feels like, and it's not totally true, right, eye test versus what the actual numbers are, but they get into big spots, and they're just constantly coming up short. They have been one of the worst teams with runners in scoring position this year. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. has actually been one of their better players with runners in scoring position. But I swear, Jamie, every time he comes up in a big spot, I'm more likely to bet on the ground out into a double play.
0: 112 miles an hour into the ground. Than
1: anything else. It's been a poor season for Vladdy. You know, his OPS still under 800 should be closer to 850, especially for a player of his caliber. So many of the underlying metrics, the batted ball data, all this stuff says he should be a much better player, but as long as he is sort of middling in this nowhere land of being a mediocre player, the Jays' upside is so severely limited. You know, they need Bo Bichette to come back and play as well as he has all season long, but Unless this team gets a better version of Vladdy Guerrero Jr., even the hopes of making an upset and maybe going on a playoff run are just very small to me.
0: Well, and it's funny because, what, the Mariners are two games up on the Jays in the standings. But I think if you were to poll fans of both teams, the Mariners have just way higher approval rating, confidence ratings. Well, even the, even after they've gone, you know, 5-5, five and five, scuffled a little bit here. after well, the whole, whole month streak, of
1: August, like, people fell in love with the Mariners. They're
0: on fire. Again. And you know Why? It's because Julio Rodriguez got red hot. Yeah. Right? And guess what? Julio Rodriguez had a slow start to the season. He did not look like he was going to build on his incredible rookie year last year. Right? There's people asking questions. You know, did they give him too much money in that big extension? Was it too much too soon? But he did what a superstar player is supposed to do. He battled through. And he let his talent show out, and he got red hot and carried that team to a month, which basically solidified their playoff appearance. And we've been waiting for Vladdy to do that all season long, right? And if he does that, hey, guess what? Everything will be forgiven. It's just so maddening when you can see the talent there. You know what he's capable of. You know he can go on a three-week run where he leads the Jays to that kind of run as a team. And it just never happens. Yep. And you keep thinking, okay, this is going to be the moment. This is going to be the moment. Every home run he hits. All right, is this going to be it? Where he turned, where he flips the switch and goes on a run. But that's the difference between the two teams and how these two teams are perceived by their fans. For one of them, the Mariners with Julio Rodriguez, the star got hot. The star did what the star is supposed to do. It just hasn't happened for Vladdy, and that's why it's been so frustrating.
1: The Mariners' season uh, weirdly mirrors the Blue Jays' season because both teams have been have had really good pitching all year long Mm -hmm. they've played pretty good defense it's been the offense that has held them back and the Mariners got their star to get hot the Jays outside of Bo Bichette haven't really had that Matt Chapman had a good opening month of the season he's been pretty
0: bad he's been brutal since ever since
1: uh George Springer's been pretty brutal all year long too for the Blue Jays you know they've needed Whit Merrifield to be (laughs) you know their second best bat in the lineup to have their offense going at times and that's just it's not something you expect out of a team like that. Now, I will say, you know, if they do end up finishing in the final wild card spot and get the Minnesota Twins in an opening round playoff series. Let's go. I would uh, I would take that as a Blue Jays fan.
0: Yes, I would absolutely. And that's the thing. Like the ultimately frustrating thing is I have found it impossible to completely jettison hope because I know the talent is there. Yeah. Like, you could, you could absolutely sell me on this team all, all of a sudden getting hot at the same time and going on a run deep in the postseason. It's absolutely on the table. It's just so frustrating to see it not materialize in September. You need to see it from Vladi. I yep. mean,
1: it's so much of it comes down to just that, that one player. So massive series for the Blue Jays this weekend uh, against the Royals, and then that leads up to the Texas Rangers. And the Mariners right now, two games up on the Jays, feeling pretty comfortable about their spot.
0: Uh, that's going to do it for us this week. It's been a blast, Reach, sitting in with you. We are both back to our, our regular assignments Oh, next I know people week. are
1: really fired up to get Canucks Talk on oh, so for their up. lunch hour and Canucks Central for their drives home.
0: So fired up. Yeah, it'll be myself and Drance, Canucks Talk, noon to two, uh, and then Riccio and Satyar Shah. Uh, remind me of the hours of the show again?
1: Uh, I think three to five All next right, week. sure. I don't know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We'll still
1: figure it out as we go.
0: Uh, so back to regularly scheduled programming here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, next week, by the way, a couple of cowards, Satyar Shah and Dick Nassar, <laughs> coming up next with The People <laughs> Show on Friday afternoon. Have a great weekend. We'll be back on Monday. It is Sportsnet 650.